from Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm your host, Shakita Griffin. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Gabe Procaccino, 2010, Director of Member Engagement at the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Gabe became interested in his occupation. So I'm currently um, Director of Member Engagement at the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Um, I have sort of a interesting uh, sort of career path, um, but it's it sort of it, with this role, it's sort of finally come together. Um, I started my career post Muhlenberg in the tech and tourism space. So I was working mostly in, in startups that had sort of a tourism focus. Um, I was in business development and sales. And I joke, I sort of had a career quarter life crisis okay. at age 28, 29, and shifted and went to work in democratic politics in New York City, where I was living for about a decade after college, and found myself on the two congressional races. One of those congressional races, we won our campaign, we won the election. Um, yes, yeah, so I was, I was uh, working, on a, working on a campaign in New York City for uh, former Congressman Max Rose. He won his seat and then uh, ended up going to work on his congressional staff um, for his first two-year term. That sort of led me to kind of rethink where my career was going and looking at more mission-driven work. And during the pandemic, moved back to Philadelphia where I grew up and found my way to the Chamber of Commerce. So sort of a good marriage of um, my career background in business development and being in very client-facing roles and then more mission-driven sort of government work. And so the Chamber, we're a nonprofit, we're not government, but um, sort of a bit of a marriage of, of sort of my background. Um, so that's that's sort of how I first became interested in this work. And um, growing up in a big city like Philly, I grew up in South Philly. You know, anything I can do to sort of support my city, my region, and in this case, through the lens of supporting the business community, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, for Greater Philadelphia, we're regional. So we support the entire 11 county region around Philadelphia, South Jersey, and Northern Delaware through advocacy, through bringing businesses together, a variety of initiatives. So I really just wanted to be part of a of an organization that really is supporting the development and growth of Philadelphia. So that, that's been really exciting. And I'm, I'm about two years into the role now. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I love yeah. first off that it's a nonlinear path. More often than not, I think that's what we see in people's career journeys. You try this, you try that, and you keep mm -hmm. kind of shifting until you find that right fit. Uh, and then the way that you said that it's bringing together, you know, really a marriage of your background and then that more mission driven side of the work as well. And I'll, I'll add to it. One thing is, you know, my it's funny because I look back now and I was a performing. I was a theater major and uh, I chose not to pursue theater acting post Muhlenberg. Um, but I attribute a lot of my success in the business world to being on stage and being in studio work on campus all those years. So again, nonlinear, you, you know, I'm, I'm in the business world and I have a theater degree, but sort of sort of testament to what I was talking about. Yeah, those skills cross over in so many ways. And yeah. I will definitely ask you more about that. But first, tell me about high level. What is a chamber? You know, what does it do? And then, of course, down to your role. 
Is there, you know, such thing as a typical day and what does your work look like? Probably a lot of people are familiar with, you know, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and then maybe their local chamber. uh, If they grew up in a small town or, or in a region, every chamber is a bit different. Some focus on tourism, some on advocacy. The Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, we're the fourth largest chamber in the country, not including state or the, you know, the U.S. Um, the federal chamber, but we're the fourth largest in the country. And we represent, again, pretty much southeastern Pennsylvania. And we sort of, I like to think about what we do in terms of like a few buckets. We do a lot of advocacy, particularly on the city, county and state level, um, as well as federal. Uh, so we work closely with Philadelphia City Council and the mayor's office local stakeholders at the county level, um, so Montgomery, Chester County, even even out towards Lehigh Valley, and then also on the state level now with Governor Shapiro's office and previously with Governor Wolf's office, advocating for the business community um, and any issues that might be impacting Philadelphia and the greater Philadelphia area. And then we also work closely with Pittsburgh as well, sort of our you know sister city across the, across the state. We do a lot of work bringing the business community together through programs and events creating sort of a healthy business ecosystem. And we're really good at convening and gathering. So bringing people to the table uh, and we're sort of a keystone in that regard. We also have a lot of initiatives and we do a lot of work around DEI and impact work, community development. We have initiatives that support uh, life sciences, which is obviously sort of a very uh, hot topic around Philadelphia right now. We have a lot of life sciences. Um, The life science industry is really emerging and, and blossoming. We have a middle market initiative supporting midsize and and large businesses that are below a billion dollars in revenue, and then also an energy initiative. So we do a lot to sort of support the different industries, uh, manufacturing. Uh, We do a lot around business attraction, trying to get folks to come here internationally and bring their business here, as well as develop businesses here. And then we do a lot around um, talent and trying to keep our, you know, we have all these great universities, so try to keep, keep the talent local in the Philadelphia area. And I say the other thing that we really focus on is career and leadership development. So for folks like myself who are under 40 and sort of rising um, in their career, growing in their career, I'm developing younger leaders. And then particularly for our C-suite folks in the region, I'm really trying to place them out front again to promote the business community here and promote Philadelphia and show uh, some, some of our leaders and really get them out front. So. So, so many things you just listed there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. Yeah, we do a lot. And again, um, we're, we're sort of a big nonprofit. I think we have about 75 people on staff and we, we do have our hands in a lot of different cookie jars. I would say our primary focus really is advocacy, advocating on the, again, city, county, state level, and then looking at bringing the business community together through, through a variety of programming. Um, but then again, a lot of it is focused around these subset industries um, initiatives that we do, but yeah, we do a ton. With all of those different buckets and projects, initiatives, there's no such thing as a typical day, but, you know, could you give us a sense, what are the most recent projects you're working on? In my role as director of member engagement, which is sort of our way of saying membership. And we, we talk about engagements. How do we, how do we get our members and the business community that invests in our work and they get a series of member benefits, you know, are able to, uh, kind of work with my team to, um, access their benefits or engage in our programming. Um, so a typical day for me would be probably meeting with our members, our clients, and looking at what their business needs might be and how we can, again, be a facilitator for them or, or act on their behalf to go to bat on, a, on a, a need they might have or a problem that might need solving 
or just connecting to a specific leader in the region, let's say. So I would say it's a mix of probably meetings, uh, a variety of programs that we do. For example, this morning, Philadelphia is coming up on its Democratic primary on May 16th. I think I have the date, right? Yeah, May 16th. Um, coming up on our Democratic primary. So the chamber has um, coordinated two different sessions with, with um, eight of the candidates who are running in the primary. Um, since Philadelphia is a Democratic city, the primary is sort of the big, uh, the big deal for this election, not the general. So the chamber is gathering um, those candidates in two different forums across, across uh, two different sessions. One was this morning, one was this past Tuesday, um, so that they get to interface with the business community. And again, we brought in a mix of uh, folks from our Young Professionals Council, so those are the under 40s. We brought in a number of our board members and then a number of business leaders from small, medium, and large businesses to meet the different candidates who are running. And so they get a chance to really interact and ask questions. So a good example, of, I, I spent the first two hours in the morning um, interfacing with some of the mayoral candidates, some of our members, and then uh, this afternoon, again, mostly mostly in meeting with, with our members and making sure they're taken care of. So I guess that's, that's sort of a typical day. Which is awesome. I mean, again, yeah. the fact that it's bringing in, you know, the educational components, the making sure that the community has a voice and just so I'm sure you have to be so creative and innovative in how you're bringing that to the table and bringing opportunities for the business community to engage, which brings me to that next topic of those sure. transferable skills. You know, going back to that idea that you have a theater background from Muhlenberg, you know. Yeah. What are the skill sets that make you successful in your role? I'm very much an extrovert for sure. And skills that make me successful, I think, I think one of the things that particularly through my theater degree really taught me was how to present and communicate effectively. Hopefully I'm doing that right now. You definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of times and, and when I train, train younger team members or we just, I just onboarded a, a new staff member on my team. You know, even thinking about some of how we present material to a client or to a member, how we explain our work, which again, as you pointed out earlier, it's very complicated. It's very layered. We do a lot. We're a 200-year organization. Think about it being kind of scripted, and at least to start being scripted the same way um, you approach a scene or when you're on stage presenting work, you start with a script and eventually you're off script. And you're being, of course, genuine and you're delivering a message either to your audience or in this case, your client or your member. So I really do lean on my theater degree and that experience in terms of how I present to an audience. So that's definitely how I kind of use that background. Yeah, which I think, again, is so great because there is no Chamber of Commerce degree, right? You know, it is always going to be coming from some sort of different background and thinking about what are those skill sets that you gained, you know, from Muhlenberg, from your experiences since. And how do they come together to make you successful in that role? So thanks for sharing that. We are, even on campus, starting to have more in-person programming, okay. you know, really still coming out of a lot of the effects of the pandemic. So I do want to ask, how has that affected your work within the chamber? And are there lingering effects that you see or lingering changes that have come as a result? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the world has changed. The the way students probably go to class has changed. The way the business community interacts has changed. People being in offices. When I started um, at this role in July 2021, and we were completely virtual. Now we're back three days a week. I've, most of the team is in three to four days a week. And we do a lot of 
in-person programming. We do a lot of in-person meetings. We're a very like sort of out front type of organization and the role is out front. I definitely see the advantage of virtual communication, particularly video conferencing. That makes a lot of my day-to-day easier, particularly when I have, we're based downtown in Philadelphia. We have a lot of clients and members who are all across the region. So it's practically, it's, it's a really effective tool to be able to connect with someone over video conferencing. But so much of our work definitely does need to be, I think, in-person. And, and I think building relationships in general, face-to-face with colleagues, peers, um, you know, leaders in the region is really crucial. So I, I think we're in an interesting place in, in kind of history where I think students are probably seeing this. It's really easy to learn online. It's a great tool, but also to build relationships Again, there has to be a face-to-face component for sure. So I think I think finding the balance is key. But I think we're right now as an organization in a really transitional time because we're trying to navigate this new business world, how people um, work remote and, and find this sort of hybrid lifestyle. And I think we've all sort of enjoyed the hybrid model. So I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I think we're really trying to listen to the business community in the region um, and say, okay, well, what is effective? I think people want the flexibility. I think it's just about navigating, you know, what does the hybrid world look like going forward? Even on campus, we see that mix of, like you're saying, that flexibility, but especially for that relationship building, making those connections, people wanting to be able to meet in person and have those types of events. And, you know, you mentioned relationship building, and I think it's such a crucial skill set and something that, especially in the career center, we're always advocating to everyone that we meet. And, you know, what advice would you give to really anyone around that idea of relationship building and especially how to keep it authentic? Well, one, I think just remembering that the most valuable thing for for everyone is their time. So I think one thing I I didn't take advantage of as much as I would have liked to when I was younger is really start thinking about building your network, really starting in college. And that can be everyone from a professor to a classmate to uh, an alumnus, someone from the, from the local community. And I think follow-up is really crucial and being really intentional. So if you are connecting with someone, you know, sending a thank you note, it sounds really silly, but that's really important. Following up, not canceling, showing up on time, and starting to think about your network, whether you're using LinkedIn as a tool, or I actually just keep a spreadsheet, um, people that I want to connect with or that I have connected with over the years. And then a couple times a year, I go through that and reach out to people. And again, try to be considerate of their time. So some people, you might only need to check in with them once a year and say hello. For other folks, maybe you have a close relationship. But I think if you think about it as kind of constantly sort of going through your network, and then at a certain point in your life, you'll be able to leverage that. And again, do it genuinely through friendship, through maybe getting a job or helping a, helping a friend or a colleague get a future job. So I think, you know, relationship building is to me, is really the core of, of what will set you apart. So I think for any college student who starts to look around at Muhlenberg and say, okay, well, these are my peers who I really respect. These are my professors or college staff that I really look up to. I want to maintain a relationship with them. And I'll, I'll have an, I have an example that I always look back on is Mike Bruckner, who is the vice president of communications, um, public relations for the college uh, for many years. I think he worked at Muhlenberg for about 20, 30 years. And I worked for him under the presidential assistantship, I worked in his office my final two years at school. And Mike is great. He actually does it. I don't even have to reach out. He always, once or twice a year, he'll reach out and say, hey, how's it going? And let's get a beer or tell me what's going on with his grandkids. 
And he's been a great resource and a mentor to me throughout the years. And we just will kind of check in and hop on a call and and shoot shoot the yeah, shoot, shoot the breeze. breeze. Let's say <laughs> <laughs> shoot the. You know, great example. It doesn't have to be super formal, but I think just having a good awareness of your network and whether it's keeping a list or having it on LinkedIn and kind of going through and um, reaching out to people. And and I guess the final thing I'll say is when you reach out to someone, oh, I, what I always say is when I when I finish um, coffee or a call or sit down with someone is, what can I do for you? Because oftentimes I'm asking for help. So I always try to return the favor and pay it forward. And when I moved back to Philadelphia after living in New York for a decade, I asked a lot of people for help and for advice and support when I was finding my role at the chamber. And so now in particular, when I talk to people who, who I spoke to a year or two ago when they were two years ago when they were helping me, I say, thank you so much. What can I do for you now? Or do you have a friend? Do you have a cousin, a family member that maybe wants to have a conversation with me? How, how can... So the network can be leveraged both ways, but it, I think it's really important to, to always give back and again, be considerate of people's time and always follow up. That's amazing advice. I could not have said it better myself. And especially that idea of the network, the the relationship going both ways, you know, not yeah. only you asking for help, but also you being able to offer help um, right. when you're in the position to do so. So I think that's amazing. You know, going back to your role, what are the most challenging and rewarding aspects of your job? So let's start on that challenging side. What are some of the biggest challenges in your role? I think the challenge is that every member business that we work with, so every company that um, is investing financially with the Chamber of Commerce and we're supporting, has different needs. So I might be working with a big international company, and then I might be working with a, with a smaller mid-sized business that has very different needs in terms of how we can help them. So it's just a challenge day to day. And I have to sort of, I think I have sort of see my knowledge, my portfolio of members. And so my team's managing about 1,500 members. I oversee personally about 75, but I generally have to know the whole membership. So I have sort of, my knowledge is a little bit of a shallow lake. It's very much a generalist. I have to know a little bit about what everyone does. Um, So I think it's just challenging to manage all the different needs. But I flip that and say that's also what's really rewarding because I get, to really experience a lot of different types of businesses and nonprofits that and universities that are engaging in our work and that are in, also invested with a similar mission that we have. They want to see the city and the region grow and improve and get better. So that's definitely a challenge. Yeah. And then were you, would you also want me to kind of chat about? Yeah. The rewarding side the of rewarding the work. Stuff. Yeah. I think when we can really deliver results for, for one of our members, that's really rewarding. And again, it's different. So uh, sometimes it might be making a connection to a certain leader in the region or an elected official that they're looking to connect with. Other times it might be just supporting their work. So I think that that's really rewarding. And then also seeing my team be successful. So recently moved into a slightly different role as director of member engagement for the chamber. Team is about four of us now. So anytime I think anyone has a win or success, that always makes me really happy to see just uh, particularly younger folks on the team be successful and kind of seeing them grow and kind of blossom in their careers. It's it's funny too to think that I'm not a young person anymore <laughs> at 35, but <laughs> that you're not the newest yeah. on the block anymore, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> kind of to that idea because I think throughout the conversation I get the sense that you are actively trying to mentor the younger people in your office or even those younger professionals uh, within the chamber. So to speak to that idea of mentoring as a whole, 
Are there mentors who you've looked to in your career path? And then as well as you now taking on the role of mentor, you know, how has that gone? When I was younger, and I'll I'll go back to Muhlenberg, I always thought of having like, oh, I have to identify one or two people who are going to be my mentor. And and we're going to know that that's the relationship. And, And I don't think it really works like that. And what I've actually kind of seen and learned, and which I think is really cool, is that throughout your life, you're going to have a series of mentors and mentees. And some of those are going to be more formalized people that you, again, connect with. You know, right now, if, if I'm talking to students, I would say it might be a professor, might be a college administrator, might be a parent, might be a family member uh, or a sibling. But one thing I have learned is you know, throughout my career, I've had some mentors who, who I learned a lot from, but I didn't really agree with or didn't necessarily follow their advice. So I would also look to learn from people who are very different than you. You might have a bossy who maybe you don't like love and you don't necessarily connect with them, but they give you a lot. You can learn a lot from them and they might guide you along the way. Even if, again, it's not sort of like a, I don't know the mentorship always has to necessarily be the most positive relationship. I don't know if that makes sense to you. No, it definitely does. You want somebody who's going to problem solve differently than you would, or Mm -hmm. who's going to come at it with a different approach, right? So that you can actually gain some perspective from the conversation. So yeah, that makes total sense. You know, I pointed to Mike Bruckner, um, who was a, you know, a former Muhlenberg administrator, um, sort of as one of my earlier mentors. Um, but he he is more of like a friend mentor, someone who I kind of would reach out to and catch up with, um, who always was a very, very positive support. But then again, I've had bosses and leaders who I've interacted with who I learned a lot from, but I don't necessarily have a closeness with them. And I think those are valuable relationships as well. I think now, now that I'm, I'm leading a team and I have some folks on my team who are right out of school, it's really trying to share whatever wisdom I have and from what I learned post-college and also try to be transparent with them. Hey, these are some mistakes I made early in my career. These are some places where I zigged, where maybe I should have zagged and feel free to use me as a sounding board. From the experience that I've had, ask me anything. I can, right. I can tell you what I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of as we're winding down the conversation, what advice or guidance? And, you know, you've already, in my opinion, dropped so many great gems throughout this conversation. But what is the advice or guidance you would give to someone who's interested in doing the type of work you do? I think there's a lot of ways to get involved in, I would say, I'll I'll call it mission driven work. I guess the advice I I would give anyone, unless you're going into a specialty that requires an advanced degree or a certain certification treat your your time in school as just kind of a learning ground. And if you're curious and you're interested in a lot of different things, don't let your, for example, in my case, a theater major, don't let that sort of box you in. So if you decide, hey, I'm not going to pursue the arts, I'm not going to pursue performing, know that you have this sort of, you have this great tool belt that can be applied anywhere. And I think a lot of when you present yourself in an interview through a resume, it's about telling your story and talking about what your goals are and how how you stand out. So for me, I've always looked at my theater degree in particular as a way that I'm very different than other people who might be applying to roles I'm applying in. Really, if they're in the business world, they have a business degree. Well, I have a theater degree. That's way more interesting. And I can tell that story in a way that's really fascinating and shows that I'm you know, just as qualified and I bring a different viewpoint, a different angle, a different skill set. So I think particularly going to like mission-driven work, if you're interested in government or nonprofits, coming in with you know, a unique background being really curious, asking a lot of questions. And, you know, the motto I always use is, I think what sticks out to 
leaders who are hiring is they want to see people who can execute and people who, again, part of my, but give, give a damn. Yeah. You know, give a damn, like actually people who are passionate, who care and give effort. And it doesn't mean you have to work a hundred hours a week. That's not what I'm saying, but showing that you really are passionate. So particularly, I think folks who are interested in working for a mission-driven organization or, or government, really committed to the work. And when leaders see that, that's, that's incredible. I think that really stands out. So I would say presenting your story of who you are, you don't need you know, to fit into a sort of a preset box. You just have to be able to present yourself in, in a positive light and show that you're really curious and you're dedicated and you're, you know, you're going to execute. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded and engineered in the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band. <laughs>